Don't Fear the Wasteland, an apocalyptic broadcast. Hey again, listener. If you can hear me, that means you're still alive, and that's more than I can say for some people. I'm keeping my promise to Frankie, so here I am again talking to you. Ginger wanted me to read you another psalm, but this broadcast isn't tomorrow's world, and I'm not your pastor. If Ginger wants to start her own radio show, I'm not stopping her. There's plenty of room on the radio for her. Anyway, let's just get straight to it. It took some time getting used to having another person around to help out once Eva healed up. She was adept at fitting all her chores into the morning hours and then helping the rest of us with whatever was left. Within a month, we were caught up with everything and then some. The gardens were weed-free and ready for winter, and the barns were clean. The farmhouse and all its rooms glittered with freshly washed linens and curtains, dusted shelves, and scrubbed floors. What I thought had been clean enough before now sparkled. When I asked Eva why she worked so hard, she replied, If you clean it, they will come, with a laugh. But whom she was expecting, she couldn't say. Her preparation paid off, though. Eva's eagerness to clean and help with my own chores left me with too much free time. I went to the library three times a week now, exercising a different horse each trip. On one occasion, I was sent with spray paint to put directions up for other survivors. I chose to still stand inside of the grocery store and wrote out, Don't fear the wasteland. This way to the last hurrah. An arrow pointed down the road. Looking over my work, I added, No funny business. To the bottom. Maybe that would keep trouble at bay. In the library, I found a dummy's guide to amateur radios, which I thought could help Frankie, who'd begun channel surfing in an attempt to find other people. For Sam, I picked a fantasy novel, and for myself, I chose a book with no sequels. Starting a series seemed dumb, given the wasteland could take me any time. I was in the YA section when I heard a rustling. Something jangling like a keychain. I unholstered my pistol and listened hard. Stepping around the aisle, I heard something move, a clicking on the tile floor. It came from the little reader's room just beyond me. God forbid it be a kitty crawler. Past the shelves of children's books and a rug shaped like a dinosaur, a closet door sat ajar. I aimed my pistol, expecting the worst. Here, kitty, 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 I called. A giant German shepherd appeared, his collar clanking together. I may have squealed. I held out my hand and beckoned the dog, and he trotted over, tongue-lolling. The collar had a tag on it. Arrow, I read aloud. Well, that's better than dog meat, I told him. I holstered my pistol and began petting the shepherd with both hands. I hadn't seen a friendly, domesticated dog in two years. It didn't take much to get Arrow to follow me across the street. At the vet clinic, I ripped into a bag of dog food and the pup dug in. He got super excited when I cracked a can of wet food for him and dumped it on the ground. After eating, Arrow followed me around the clinic as I gathered food and preventatives. No reason for him to have fleas or heartworms. I'd always wanted a dog, and now that I had one, I plan on taking good care of him. I loaded my saddlebags up and with a pocket full of treats, got the dog to follow me home. Arrow took a shine to Samma. He'd spend the evenings in her lap as she sang along to Frankie's strumming. Eva would make a pot of coffee after dinner, and we'd all gather for the performance. Sometimes, Tripp would play harmonica, and Eva would sing along, and they'd still the show. I stayed quiet and enjoyed the music. Never could carry a tune myself. 
the five of us adjusted to life with a dog and soon Arrow was family. Life had a comfortable routine. Whoever woke first made biscuits and fed Arrow. After breakfast, we'd split to our respective chores, cleaning or feeding the livestock or weeding the garden. We'd break for lunch and maybe a nap if the heat made being outside too miserable. Winter was coming on slow that year and it was still 70 plus degrees in October. Alabama's heat is like wading through a sauna. The air is hot and sticky and nothing good comes from being out in it. As the day became evening, we'd play fetch with Arrow, or more like throw and chase, and take turns making dinner. Tripp was an abysmal cook, even with Eva's help, though to this day, I think he made bad food on purpose, trying to get out of cooking duty. Luckily, we didn't have to suffer his burnt food for long. As summer became fall and the leaves began to change, Frankie spent more and more time in the office fooling with the radio. As of yet, we'd had no luck on finding anything but repetitive government signals, beacons of a lost age. But one crisp afternoon, Frankie rushed into the kitchen, hands waving. I was doing dishes, but at Frankie's insistence, I followed them into the office. Got a signal, can't respond, Frankie signed and handed me the CV. A voice came through, faint and far away. Helling, last hurrah, do you copy? Over. I spat my response. Loud and clear, last hurrah responding over. For fuck's sake, took you long enough. Over. The voice came back. Sorry, Frankie had to come get me. Over. I replied. Is that you, Shelby? It's Marge. We got a truckload. Is it safe to come home? Over. I'm not Shelby, I managed to say before Tripp appeared and ripped the mic from my hand. Jesus Christ, Marge, you're alive, he called out. And kicking. Found a truck with a battery and a radio. Glad Leo's still tuned in. Over. How far out are you? Tripp asked. A couple days if the road is clear. Over. I left Tripp to the conversation. Looked like our family was growing. Shelby had written about Marge the Cook in her journal. Last anyone had seen her, she'd been headed north to get her mother from a nursing home. No one knew if Marge's ma had survived the burning, but Marge had to go find out. Shelby never expected her to return. At least the quality of food would improve if Marge took on her old role. Outside, Samma was playing chase the dog with Arrow. She paused when she saw me approach and bent forward to catch her breath. Yards out, Arrow barked twice at the loss of his playmate. Sorry for interrupting, bud, I told him as he came to sit on my feet. Sam asked if something was wrong, and I shrugged. Frankie got a signal on the radio. Marge, the Shelton's cook, is headed our way. Sounds like she got a couple people with her. So? Sam asked me. The more of the old crew that returns, the less room there is for us. I feel like an outsider. Eva would never run us off. We're all family now, Sam said to me softly. I sure hope you're right, I told her. Besides, Sama continued, you were here first, finders keepers. That made me smile. You're beautiful when you smile, Sama whispered. When I looked at her in surprise, she blushed. The silence following her words was heavy. When I couldn't take the weight of it anymore, I kissed her. From the porch, Eva yelled at us to get a room. Sama's brave statement and our new relationship was a blessing. She started sleeping in my room downstairs, and her presence chased away the nightmares that had become commonplace since Daddy died. Eva smiled at us every chance she got, happy that we were happy. Tripp didn't care, and Frankie didn't mind. 
Not that I thought Frankie would, but their being Sam as best friend in the apocalypse had me just a little worried that Frankie's feelings might be hurt. They weren't, and if anything, Frankie and I became closer. I definitely made an effort to learn more sign language, and Frankie showed me how to work the radio setup. We spent long hours in silence listening for stray signals and practicing curse words in ASL. Besides Sama, Tripp was the only one who knew what we were saying in sign, and we made him blush a few times with lewd gestures. Eva was slowly learning ASL too, but the mo- for the most part, Frankie just scribbled out what they needed on a pad if we weren't around to translate. Sama and I found a routine in the few days before Marge came home. We were seldom out of sight of each other, and Sama spent extra time in the gardens with me, so much that her skin deepened and freckles graced her nose and cheeks. I called her freckles cute, and her eyes lit up at the compliment. Frankie made gagney gestures behind Sama's back when we got too mushy. Sama was a good reason to be happy about my life. Her sunny disposition and positive attitude brightened everyone's day, but mine even more. On our horseback rides to the library every few days, we'd talk endlessly, and there was so much to learn about each other that we never got bored. Before the world ended, Sama was a nurse in an ICU. She loved fixing people and explained her personality and need to help others, a need that hadn't gone away when the world did. She insisted on helping Eva and Tripp and me any way she could, whether it be cooking, cleaning, or even just listening. For the first time in a while, I thought of Martha Popisky and wondered how her pregnancy had gone. The world ending had made our lives very small. If I had known a nurse had been hiding in Birchville, I would have made Martha stay. But thinking of the Papiskis only served to make me sad, and I had enough to be sad about in the wasteland. Had enough to be happy, too. And most days, I let that fill me up. In this new world, you have to count your blessings as often as you can, or the bleakness will get you. That's all I care to talk today. This is Shara, and I'm coming to you from the last hurrah, a survivor's colony on the outskirts of Birchville, Alabama. 50 miles west of Montgomery. Route 109 and follow the signs. We'll be waiting. Just remember, no funny business. Don't Fear the Wasteland is a story-driven podcast by Joey Hall, chronicling Sheriff's journey in the apocalypse and broadcast as a radio show from the last hurrah in Alabama. It's an oasis for survivors in the blasted remains of the old world, or Earth as we know it now. To learn more about the wasteland where Sheriff spends her days, check out DontFearTheWasteland.com and JoeyHall.com. Thanks for listening.